Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Seeds and Weeds podcast, brought to you by Small House Farm. If you're looking to celebrate plants and the people that love them, then this is the podcast for you. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Bevan Cohen. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. You know, this is a pretty big week for the gardening world. Very exciting things are happening, and we're going to be digging into all of that. Plus, we got an interview with Peggy Riccio. Now, Peggy is the founder of pegplant.com, and she is a prolific garden writer and educator. She's going to be joining us on the show today to answer five questions. One of the exciting things that's happening this week, Baker Creek Heirloom Seed Company's whole seed catalogs are starting to arrive in the mail. So if you pre-ordered your catalog, keep an eye on the mailbox. The whole seed catalog is the largest catalog in the world. This year, it is 532 pages. It is a whopper. It's just packed full of beautiful photos, seed stories, and so many varieties of vegetables and herbs and flowers, basically anything you would ever want. Of course, I'm a little biased. You guys know I work with Baker Creek on a number of different projects. They're one of our advertisers here on the podcast, and I also write for the catalog. But I'm telling you what, this thing is amazing. There's a few stories in this year's catalog that I wrote. I researched and documented the history of the Amish paste tomato. That was a fun one. And uh, I got to visit with Doug Kurzer to learn more about his Calico Traveler lima bean. And there's also a feature that I wrote about seed libraries, which is a topic that is near and dear to my heart. It was extra fun because I got to interview some of my seed librarian friends and then put them in the catalog. And as usual, you know, the photography in this catalog is just out of sight. Absolutely gorgeous. I have a few copies, so I thought maybe we should give one of them away. Over in the Seeds and Weeds community on Facebook, I'm going to be giving away a copy of the catalog. And you can find our group just by searching Seeds and Weeds in the search bar there on Facebook. But I'll also put the link down in the show notes. And, you know, there's close to maybe a thousand people in the Facebook group now. And it's a fun way for us to stay connected with each other, share about our gardens, learn from each other. So go check it out. And who knows, maybe you'll win a free catalog. Also in big gardening news, the USDA just released a brand new plant hardiness zone map. And it looks like things are warming up. You know, the last map was released in 2012. And this new version, it's been updated to take into account a shift in average temperatures across the country, anywhere from zero to five degrees Fahrenheit warmer. This new map shows that about half the country shifted to the next warmer half zone. So like here at Small House Farm, we used to be zone 5B, but now we're zone 6A. So the average length of time between our last spring frost and our first fall frost has extended. So that means a longer growing season. In the short term, that doesn't seem too bad at all. But in the long term, what does that mean? Is this an indicator that the effects of climate change are happening in real time right in front of us? Certainly seems that way, doesn't it? In an article published on November 18th by the Associated Press, Chris Daly, who's a researcher from Oregon State University, he mentioned that on average, winter temperatures have risen 2.5 degrees just in the last decade. And I want to read this part of the article to you here. It's the final quote that's the real kicker, but listen to this. This is from the article. As the climate shifts, it can be tricky for plants and growers to keep up. And then here's a quote. There are a lot of downsides to the warmer winter temperatures too, said Teresa Crimmins, who studies climate change and growing seasons at the University of Arizona. When we don't have as cold winter temperatures, we don't have as severe diebacks of insects that carry diseases like ticks and mosquitoes. She added that hotter, drier summers in some regions may kill plants that once thrived there. And then here's the quote. Ready for this? You wouldn't want to plant plants that aren't adapted right now for where you're living. I'll say it again. You wouldn't want to plant plants that aren't adapted right now for where you're living. Plants that aren't adapted right now to where you're living. I mean, if this isn't screaming about the importance of seed saving, I don't know what it is. When we save seeds from the healthiest, best performing plants in our gardens, we will continue to get better performing healthier plants. From season to season, these plants adapt to the minor shifts in climate, to our soil conditions, pest pressures, growing techniques. The best performing seeds that you can get 
are the ones that come from your own garden. It's as simple as that. So if you haven't yet, start saving your seeds. Now, before we jump into the interview, quick shout out to the members of our Patreon community. It's the support of our Patreon members that make this podcast possible. So if you enjoy the show and you want to show your support, please consider joining our Patreon. You know, members get all sorts of groovy perks like seeds and books and herbs. Plus, you're helping keep us on the air. And I think that's pretty cool. You can find that link in the show notes or at seedsandweedspodcast.com. Peggy Riccio is a horticulturist and garden communicator in Northern Virginia. Her website, pegplant.com, is an online resource for gardeners in the D.C. metro area and beyond. Peggy has written more than 100 articles for gardening magazines and gives presentations to garden clubs, nurseries, and master gardeners. Although Peggy grows many different types of plants in her suburban garden, her passion is herbs. And today, she's joining us on the show to answer five questions. Hello, Peggy. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing wonderful. I'm so glad that you were able to join us today. You know, I was looking at your work online and you are a very busy plant lady. I see that you're the district delegate for the Herb Society of America. You're a regional director for GardenCom. You also work for the National Garden Club. So could you just tell us a little bit more about your background, how you became so involved in the garden communities across the country like you are, and um, how in the world do you find time for all of this? Well, I'm a horticulturist. I went to Virginia Tech many years ago and I got my bachelor's in horticulture and I'm a garden communicator. So the way I use my degree is through writing. So I love to write and I also garden and I live in Northern Virginia. So I have just a typical suburban plot here, nothing special. But I like to write and I've been writing uh, articles for magazines as a freelancer for many, many years. And then I started my website, Peggy plant.com which is an online resource for gardening in the dc metro area and i write for that and then i also started a newsletter which is a free local gardening newsletter called peg plants post and i'm also very interested in herbs so I give a lot of presentations to the gardening clubs in the area. But then when COVID started, um, you know, it's very hard to do that through Zoom, especially if you have an interactive conversation. So I created this Facebook group called Culinary Herbs and Spices to continue the conversation. So I write about a lot of different things in the gardening world, but my passion is herbs. And so that's why I also created that Facebook group. And how did you get connected with the GardenCom community? So GardenCom is the association for garden communicators and communicators is defined very broadly from anything from photography to blogging to writing books giving presentations you know influencers and I've been involved for a long time it's really really good for people who want to get in the business because the networking is just invaluable and you learn a lot we have an annual conference and so you learn a lot in the educational sessions but you also meet a lot of people and it really helps to know the people in the business business. I, re I really recommend that for anybody who's interested in garden communications. That's awesome. All right, let's dig into this website a little bit, pegplant.com, which is, it's really a great online source for gardeners. Uh, you write about plants, there's book recommendations, garden tips, all sorts of groovy stuff. Tell us a little bit more about the site, how it came to be, what you're offering gardeners, the newsletter, all that good stuff. Well, 
I don't know if anybody remembers, but years ago, maybe they still exist. I don't know. There's Welcome Wagon. So it used to be, especially when I was in high school and we moved to Vienna, Virginia, the Welcome Wagon lady came around and sat down with my mother in the living room. And she gave my mother all the different information about all the local businesses you need to know if you just moved to the area, as well as coupons and everything. And so I was talking with somebody years ago and I was, that person was new to gardening. And I was telling him, oh, you got to see this. You got to do that. You got to see this. And then it occurred to me that my my website can be like Welcome Wagon, where if you're new to gardening or you're new to this area, these are all the different things you need to know about, like your local nurseries, your local botanical gardens or public gardens, and then your hardiness zone. And then, of course, I have other things like I list um, every month, I list local gardening events, and we can get 50 to 100 gardening events in this area, including Zoom or free. Some are free, some are not free. I also list recently published gardening books. Um, and that's a cum- cumulative list. It, I mean, it just it goes on from 2022 to 2023. So you can use that list as a resource if you're looking for books for ideas for people. Um, so anyway, so the, the website became like the place you need to go to if you're new to this area or you're new to gardening. And here's everything you need to know in the gardening world in this area. It's very local. It's very specific. Yeah, I noticed that the website describes itself as a resource for gardeners in the Washington, D.C. metro area. But really a lot of the things that you write on the website, I find it's beneficial to gardeners in other places too, wouldn't you say? It is. I mean, it it is. And especially um, DC metro area means uh, Maryland, Northern Virginia, DC. But a lot of times I will list events that are from a public garden that's in Pennsylvania or the New York Botanical Garden, but also the books are relevant to, to anybody. And then, you know, a lot of the articles are just about plants or gardening that are relevant to other people. You had mentioned uh, the USDA hardiness zones, and I'm sure that you just saw that they just released a new map. Some of the folks' zones have changed, which is pretty wild. How did your zone change? Is it the same? or did Mine you... didn't change. I'm still in 7B. And in fact, I just wrote that article and it's going to be published on my website in a week or two. <laughs> oh, fantastic. I'll be sure. Of course, we're going to put a link to the website so folks can check it out. Our zone changed here in Michigan. We were 5B and now we are 6A. Wow. Getting warmer. It's getting warmer. That's for sure. But, you know, yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. So we won't get into all of that. Let's get into the questions. I got five questions here for you, Peggy. So this is where our listeners can get to know you a little bit more on a personal level out there in the garden. The first question is going to be sort of a two-parter. If you had to pick a favorite plant or plant family, what would it be and why? I would pick basil. And I don't mean just the sweet basil. I mean, all basils. I really like all the different basils. I haven't grown them all, but I know there's a lot out there. Um, First of all, they're easy to grow from seed and you can grow them as an annual here. You know, they like the warm weather. So all the basils are grown the same way. And I start them in May from seed and containers here and some I grow in the garden, but they have a lot of different uses. And people don't think that there are basils that you can grow as annuals, just like you grow marigold, right? So like Thai basil, I have in the front as an annual and I let it flower. And then in the fall, it actually turns kind of purple. It's really cool. And then, of course, you can use Thai basil for cooking or I make syrups out of it. But then, of course, the sweet basil, you can just grow for the leaves. But then we grow lemon basil for two reasons. One is that we use it for cooking, but also I just let it flower in a container on the deck here. And then all the goldfinches come and they eat the seeds. So there's a lot of uses for basil. If you had 
to pick a favorite basil, which one would it be? The Thai basil. And what do you use the Thai basil syrup for? So I make a Thai basil syrup where you get a cup of sugar, a cup of water, you know, bring it to a boil, add a cup of the leaves, right? And then you let it sit there for about 20 minutes and then you strain out the leaves. And what you do is you make this syrup. And then I get a can of the frozen limeade concentrate and you make the limeade with that. And then you pour a glass and you add just a couple of spoonfuls of that syrup. And it really makes it taste really good. It just packs a punch. And of course, if you're so inclined, you could add a little alcoholic part to it. But still, it's really, really good. That sounds delicious. It's very delicious. Oh my goodness. All right. That's cool. All right. So the second question here is, uh, what is a recent garden success that you've had? Well, this year I also grew, um, I do a lot of things from seeds. So I do, I did Mexican mint marigold from seed. And I really like it a lot because it is an herb, but it also flowers. And right now it's still flowering. It's like what, mid-November here, still flowering these little orange flowers and the leaves, they say it's a substitute for tarragon. Really nice um, scent and flavor to the leaves. Um, can I put in another plug for another one that was a success? Absolutely. Okay, so this year I also grew winter squash, the kabocha Japanese type called sweet jade. And I had a lot of success with it because every year I always grow the summer squash, you know, the yellow summer squash and the zucchini, and they never work out because I always get the squash vine borer. And so this year I thought, why bother? It just never works. I'm just going to buy those from the farmer's market. But the winter squash was beautiful and I had no problems with pest or disease. So it's a pretty successful year for the squash for you. Yeah. And I'm going to grow winter squash from now on and not the summer squash. All right. Let's flip the script a little bit then. The next question is, what is a recent garden failure that you've had? But more specifically, what is the lesson that you can learn from it? Well, that would be, I mean, you know, for years I've been trying to grow summer squash and I always get that squash fine board. And so the lesson learned this this year is I'm not going to do that. And I'm going to go to the farmer's market and just buy it that way. And I think that's the only um, my aha moment of the year. That's a good lesson to learn. You know, sometimes it's it's great to see these challenges and try to overcome them. But sometimes you just got to throw in the towel, right? Yeah. So what is a current project that you're working on that you're very excited about? Well, last year I wrote this article and it was just kind of like a spur of the moment thing. I just wrote this article on my website about new herbs for 2023. And I was looking at like about 20 seed catalogs and I was seeing what's new on the market. And these would be grown from seed, right? And I wrote an article about that and I thought, you know, I'm going to do that again. Again, this year, this year, probably in January, I'll write another article about new herbs on the market for 2024. Because years ago, I did write an article about breeding better herbs for a magazine. And it's really interesting that there are new herbs on the market and there is breeding in the herb world. A lot of people don't know that, but there are new varieties that come about or just new things, you know, that are found that are available here in the U.S. market. Can you give us some examples of some of these newer herbs? Well, for, for example, basil, of course, you know, they had the downy mildew problem. And so there are new resistant varieties. Um, I just listened to a webinar of a new line of resistant varieties that are even more resistant. It's a more resistant line of basil that's going to come out in 2024. Oh, that's exciting. All right. Now, the next question is, what is a project that you are not personally involved in, but you're still really excited about it? So who's your shout out today? Okay. So this is kind of like, I didn't realize this until you asked me to be on this podcast that I'm very kind of a split personality here because although I look forward to the new herbs and everything and new varieties 
ladies, I'm really interested in seed saving and people who are saving seeds. And so I've been listening to this podcast put on by True Love Seeds. And their podcast is called Seeds and Their People. And they interview people who are, it's like their life's work to save seeds, but also saving seeds of a specific culture or a specific group of people. And I really respect that and I really admire that because it's really important to save the seeds but also to save how they were used because they might have been used in different ways than we think of nowadays, you know, and the stories and the names of the plants. It's very important to keep all that. Um, and also because it maintains genetic uh, biodiversity. It's very important to have biodiversity with plants and with seeds. So I really respect and admire people who save seeds as their life's work. Absolutely. I love True Love Seeds. They're doing some fantastic work to preserve the seeds. But like you mentioned, also the culture and the history and the cuisine that's attached to these seeds. Man, that's a great shout out, Peggy. That was very good. Do you Have you purchased seeds from that company before? I'm going to this year because I've been listening to the podcast and I hear all the these different things like I just heard about this Italian seed project and these Italian seeds of these you know vegetables that I want to try so then I'm going to I'm going to buy them this year. I have to start working on making my wish list. <laughs> my 2024 wish list. <laughs> Yeah, it's tricky. You know, I'm an avid seed saver and I still every year make a wish list of seeds to buy. It's it's I can't help myself. There's so many good varieties out there and I want to try them all. It's like when you were little and you had the Sears wish book, you know, and you go through the wish book and to pick out all the toys you wanted. That's exactly what it's like. I'm going to put the link to True Love Seeds down in the show notes, too, so folks can check it out. And that, my friend, is five questions. So for folks that are looking to connect with you, maybe sign up for that gardening newsletter. What is the link that they need to know? So the link is on the website. Just go to pegplant.com and you'll see the link right there on the right. All you have to do is just put in your email. That's all it asks for. Very cool. Peggy, thank you again so much for being on the show with us today. That was awesome. Thank you. And that's a wrap, my friends. We are at the end of another show. Thanks again to Peggy Riccio for being our guest today and to all of you for tuning in. Remember, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can join our Patreon. You can find that link and many more at seedsandweedspodcast.com. This episode was edited and produced by all of us here at Small House Farm. And the song you're enjoying right now is Thanksgiving Day by Pineapple Music. Thanks again for joining us. I'm Bevan Cohen, and we'll see you next time. Howdy, friends. Bevan here. You know, the Seeds and Weeds podcast is made possible in part by Baker Creek Heirloom Seed Company, rareseeds.com. They're America's top source for rare and heirloom varieties from around the world, and they're publisher of the Whole Seed Catalog. Their 2024 catalog is chocked full of heirloom goodness, new varieties, recipes, stories, and gorgeous photographs. You can order yours now at rareseeds.com.